I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Genesis and to the chapter 12. We're going to um, go a little bit further afield than Genesis chapter 12. Uh, We'll deal with chapter 13 and chapter 14 as well. But we're going to read tonight from the first verse of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and beginning our reading at the first verse of the chapter. Genesis 12, and beginning our reading at verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem or Shechem, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me. For thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into the Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that was very fair. And the princes also Pharaoh saw and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants. And she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why dost thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister? So I might have uh, taken her to be my wife. Now therefore behold thy wife. Take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And then you notice in verse 4 of chapter 13 that Abram now comes again in verse 4 unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called 
on the name of the Lord. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word again to our hearts. Let's unite together at the throne of grace. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee we can approach thee again in our Saviour's name. And we thank thee, our God, for the place of the altar. Our God, we recognize that speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of the blood that was shed. And we pray that there might be an application of that precious uh, cleansing blood that was shed there on Calvary's cross and that thou wouldst bring men and women, young people, boys and girls to thyself and that thy name might be exalted in the salvation of the lost. For it is in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now the word altar in the scripture speaks of a place of slaughter. It does speak of a place of sacrifice. It speaks of a place where the blood was shed and it symbolized acknowledgement and approach and appreciation of God. In other words, it was a place of worship where men came to worship God, to give thanks to God and to receive the blessings of God. The first mention of an altar is in Genesis chapter 8 and verses 20 to 22, where Noah sacrificed clean animals uh, that had come out of the ark in order to express his worship. And we read that the scent or the smell of the offering arose as a sweet savor in the nostrils of God. In other words, God was pleased with the offering. God was accepting of the offering. And we think of this uh, personal encounter that Noah had with the Lord. And here we come to the times of Abram. Abram is known as the friend of God, a man who walks with God. And we find that the altar is something that occurs a number of times in his life. He is a man of the altar. In fact, we could say that there are four altars that Noah built here in this portion of Scripture. And we think of the altars, uh, the godly altars that were uh, built in those days... We think of how they differ from the heathen and the pagan altars. In the pagan religion, they would have made elaborate altars, uh, altars that were uh, carved and maybe with uh, precious stones, and they would have brought all of these things in order to make something beautiful in order to worship their gods. But the godly altars were just made out of plain stones. We think of how they were simple and unpretentious. We think of when Moses was told to build an altar on Mount Sinai when he received the Ten Commandments. The Lord said to him in Exodus 20 and verse 25, And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone, for if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. And we think of how that speaks of two things. Uh, at least, first of all, it speaks of the fact that salvation or the atonement is not contributed in any way to by man. We don't bring anything of ourselves to the sacrifice that was made on the center cross of Calvary. We know that salvation is of the Lord. It's to the Lord alone that we look for salvation. The Bible says so then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And that's the first thing that is symbolized by these godly altars that were erected. And then a second thing is the simplicity. 
of the way of salvation, the simplicity of the approach that we are able to bring to God. God here is facilitating men coming to him by the simplest way possible. They didn't have to have money to get this altar. They didn't have to have skill to be able to hew out the stones or to fashion them or to carve them out. All they had to do was to go and get the stones or the rocks that were all around them lying on the ground and they would erect them into an altar and then they were able to approach God. And by how simple it was, in order to come, they had to come uh, by a, a way that God had provided and it didn't mean that they had to pay or that they had to use their skill or their knowledge. They could come openly and simply to God. And of course, again, that's a, a reference and it speaks to us of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're able to draw nigh to God in simplicity. Thank God that all we need to do is to call upon the name of the Lord. All we need to do is to confess our sins and to bring our needs to the God of heaven. And thank God he has promised that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't need ceremony. You don't need fancy uh, uh, ordinances or anything like that. All you have to do is simply cry unto God and he will have mercy upon you. But we want to emphasize that the altar here is the place of blood. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 25, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. And of course, here is a great picture in all of these altars of that great sacrifice that was made there on the center cross of Calvary. We are told in the Bible that the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And it is the precious blood that is the ransom price that was paid to bring us out of the bondage of our sins. We read in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, For as not much as ye know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, but with that precious blood of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And it is the precious blood that washes us from sin. Revelation 1 and 5 says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So we see the importance of the altar here, the importance of the uh, precious blood that we see in the Scriptures. And as we come then, we see Abram as a man of the altar. And we look at the four altars that we have in the life of this man. First of all, we read about him here as he comes from Haran, and he comes into the land of promise for the first time, and he comes to Sychem or Shechem, and there he built an altar. The second altar is built near to Bethel, uh, between Bethel and Ai, and he uh, builds this altar, and there he calls upon the name of the Lord. And then the third altar you will read about in chapter 13, and he goes to Hebron, and there he builds an altar again where he can worship the Lord. 
And then in chapter 22, we read about the altar that was built where he was told by God to take his uh, son Isaac. And we read about the great picture there of the cross of Calvary. So here are the four altars that point us forward to Calvary, that speak to us of the precious blood that was shed on the center cross of Calvary. And dear friend, that is our hope tonight. That's your hope. You can only find hope in the blessed uh, cross of Calvary. It is there that you find redemption. It is there that you find uh, it is there that you find cleansing for your sin. So we want to think about these four altars here. They mark unforgettable peaks in Abram's spiritual experience on the pathway of faith. And we want to just think about what we can learn here in the Gospels particularly from these four altars. Now, go with me to the first one. We read about it there in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1. If you look at verse 7 in particular, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, uh, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And I want you to notice that Abram's faith brought him to the place of the altar. You read there in chapter 12 and verse 1 that the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. Now he's come into the land and there he builds an altar. He comes, first of all, his faith has brought him to the altar. Now, when it says here that the Lord had come to Abram, we're not told what way the Lord spoke to Abram. He comes to Abram in some unspecified way in Ur of the Chaldees. Now, Ur of the Chaldees was a place of paganism. Ur of the Chaldees was a place of idolatry. Ur of the Chaldees was a place where they worshipped the moon and the sun and all the host of heaven and all the rest of it. And Abram, we're told in the Bible, like his father, worshipped these deities. And there was nothing different about Abram from all of the people that were round about him. And yet, in God's mercy, God looks down upon this man and gives him a call. God appears in his life. God draws near to this man and calls him out of his heathenism and out of his paganism and out of his idolatry and out of his sin and gives him a gracious and a merciful call to come to him, that he will bless him. He's calling this man out of the place of paganism into the place of blessing. And the Bible says that he went out not knowing whether he went. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 that Abram obeyed God and Abram obeyed the call that he had. And it says, by faith Abram, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went, went out, not knowing whither he went. So he is sort of going blindly. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where the Lord has taken him. But he believes the call of God. He steps out in faith in the blessed God of heaven. He's, he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know all about the uh, place or the way that he's going to take or what direction even that he's going. 
But he goes at the call of God. And dear friend, there is a call that comes to men and women. And it is the call of the gospel. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You think of the invitation that is given there in the closing words of the canon of Scripture. It says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And God bids us to come. And what you need to do is do what Abram did, and you need to step out by faith. Abram didn't know it all. He, he didn't know all, the answer to all his questions. He didn't even know how he was going to get to the place where God was taking him to. And in many ways, neither do we. We know that we go beyond death and God takes us to be with himself. But in many ways, we don't know the details. But what you need to do is step out by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says about Abram, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And I'm going to that city whose, uh, uh, which I have never seen. And I'm going to that city whose shores are ever green. And I hope that you're on the road today, that you're on the road that leads to that place. And Abram, he comes here in verse 7 into that place and he uh, raises the altar, but he has gone on a journey of faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. We must come by faith. But not only do I want you to see the faith that brought Abram to the altar, but I want you to see the failure that he had on the way to the altar. Because even though Abram started out on this journey by faith, we read that when he got to the city of Laharan, which was about halfway, first of all, God told him to get out and to leave his father and to leave his family. And he brought his family with him, or at least the family came with him. And then we read that when they got halfway, uh, Haran uh, saw this news, or um, um, his father Nahor saw this city. It was a place where the moon was worshipped. And he thought that it was a wonderful place, and they settled there. And Abram went halfway with God, and then he got distracted. And you know, maybe tonight I'm speaking to somebody, and there have been times when God has been speaking to you in the gospel, and you have said, I need to get saved, and I need to get right with God. And yet, in some way, as you have determined that, maybe you've got out of the meeting and got distracted, maybe somebody spoke to you, and as of yet, you have not come and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't got there yet. You haven't got to the altar. You haven't got to the place of blood shedding. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has not been applied to your life. And here's a man and he uh, determines to go out, and he steps out in faith, and he does so much that is uh, so good, but my, he gets distracted, and he stops halfway along the road. But thank God he doesn't stay in the halfway state. We read here in verse 1, The Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And then it says in verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. 
And at last, Abram does what the Lord had said. You know, that's a good motto in life, just to do what the Lord says. Just to go through with God. To obey the call that he gives us. Not get distracted. Not go halfway there. Not uh, 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 step off the road halfway along. But to go through with God. And here he is now and he comes to the place of the altar. It says there that he builded there an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And God appears to him again. God had appeared to him in Ur of the Chaldees all the time that he was in Haran. God had not appeared to him. But now that he goes through and he gets to the altar, God appears to him again. And you know, dear friend, when we step out in faith with God, we need to come to the place where the blood is shed. Now, it didn't mean that everything was easy. We find that there were Canaanites in the land. There were enemies in the land. There were all sorts of problems that we read of later in the uh, portion of God's word here in the book of Genesis. There were real threats that Abram had to encounter. And we are not saying that if you get right with God, everything in the garden will be rosy. But nevertheless, he entered into a land that God said, I'll give it to you. I'll give you these possessions. And God did. God gave him these possessions. And God gave him blessing. And God met him at the point of his need. And met his family at the point of, the, of, uh, of their need. And thank God here was God and he'd fulfilled his promise. Abram stepped out in faith. The Bible says that he didn't know where he was going. But here, now God has brought him into the place that he said that he would bring him into. And God fulfills his word. You can step out on the promises of God. You might know about all of the way of God. You might know all about the ins and outs of theology. But I can tell you this, that God is true to his word. And Abram builds this altar to mark the fact that God was true to his word. He brought him in to the place that he'd promised. And we think of the promises in the gospel the promises of peace and blessing and of a home in heaven. And God will fulfill his word to you. So we see the altar here of praise that um, Abram erected. But then I want you to see the second altar and go down the portion of scripture a wee bit there. Genesis 12, look at verses 8 to 13. And here we have the altar of prayer. Look at verse 8 in particular there. It says, They removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And at the first altar God met him. At the second altar he prayed. And this then became his daily custom, as he wanted to dwell in the presence of God. And Abram became the friend of God, and they walked together and uh, so on every day. Abram enjoyed the presence of God. The Lord listened to Abram, and he was able to bring his needs and his problems to the Lord. And the Lord was able to counsel uh, um, Abram, and he lingered near the altar into that place where Abram met with God. And isn't that a blessing? Isn't it a blessing to be able to pray? Isn't it a blessing to be able to bring your needs to the Lord at the throne of grace and prayer? The child of God is always able to meet with God 
and to bring his need to the Lord at the throne of grace in prayer. The writer to the Hebrews gives us a wonderful invitation. He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, it says, He hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We're accepted in Christ. We can draw nigh to God. Sin had barred us from the presence of God. Sin had made that great barrier between us and God so that we could not come nigh to him. Sin cannot come into the presence of God. And therefore, dear friend, if you're not saved, you're barred from the presence of God. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you. Your, the, the, the Lord's face is hid from you. You know, I've often talked to God's people in hospital or in times of trial in their lives. And they've often remarked how it is that they cannot understand how the unsaved could go through trials or difficulties the kind of which they're going through without the Lord. Because they have the Lord by their side. They can cast their care upon the Lord. They can bring their need to the Lord. But you can't. And there's peace in the presence of the Lord. Here is Abram. He's in the midst of the Canaanites. He's in the midst of these enemies. He's in the midst of danger in many ways. And yet he's able to call upon the name of the Lord. The God who is the captain of the host. The God who is able to surround us with his care and keeping. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem. So the Lord is round about his people. As the Abraham said, are we weak, weak and heavy laden, burdened with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can you do that? Have you the right to come into the presence of God? You can't. Unless you're washed in the precious blood of Christ, there's peace in the presence of God. And there's joy. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, that in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God has ordained and uh, designed man to find supreme happiness. And where is it found? It's found in him. It's found in um, communion with God. And sin robbed man of that joy. Maybe tonight you're lacking in that joy. We find joy as we come and as we bask in the light of his presence. And not only is there peace and joy, but there's insight and there's direction. The Lord directed Abram. We will find many times you read the story of Abram, how the Lord came down and met with Abram and directed him in the way that he should go. Now we need direction in this world of trouble, in this world of turmoil, where things are turning upside down. We need somebody to direct us. You need somebody to direct you. You need somebody to guide you. Somebody of wisdom to help you. And that's why, dear friend, you need the Lord. There are so many blessings in the presence of the Lord. And here Abram erects this altar in the place where he meets with his God. And here we have this wonderful blessing. And yet here's the strange thing. 
Here's the strange thing. Abram did not stay in that place. Here is, you'd think that in the place of peace and blessing, and in the place where he's meeting with his God, that he would have dwelt there. And yet we read in chapter 12 that Abram, in a time of famine and in a time of difficulty, and we were saying this morning that oftentimes the devil comes to tempt in the time of difficulty and in the day of weakness, and here was a day of famine, and Abram sets off down to Egypt. And Egypt in the Bible speaks of the world. And not only did he set off to Egypt, but he was going to lie about his wife. He said to his wife, you're so very beautiful. The men in this country, they will kill me in order to take you to be their wife. So he said, I want you to say that you're my sister and not my wife. That was half true because uh, she was his half-sister. But nevertheless, he was trying to deceive. And he was there trying to deceive. And you, you notice the words there in verse 13. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me. That it may be well with me. There's selfishness entering in. And you know, dear friend, we can get away from God. We can enjoy the Lord. We, you know, you think of the children of Israel and all of the blessings that God gave them. And how he brought them out of the bondage. And yet, there was a time when they looked to get back into the bondage. And they were looking for the leeks and garlics of Egypt again. Because that was better, they thought, than going through the wilderness with God. And you know, this is the awful thing about God's people. There is the old nature that's still within. And sometimes the old nature rises within us. And maybe I'm speaking to somebody tonight and you're on the backsliding path. You've gone down into the Egypt of the world. And dear friend, the only way is to do what Abram did because you find what Abram did. It says in Genesis chapter 12 that he got back. If you look at chapter 13, rather, verses 3 and 4, it says, and He went on his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Where did he go? He went back to the place where he'd been at the first. He went back to the place of the altar. He went back to the beginning. Got back to the foundations. And there he called upon the name of the Lord. And dear child of God, maybe you're wandering away like Abram. Well, you need to get back to the place where you were at the first. That place where first you sought the Lord. And you need to call upon him. And you need to get back to the place of the altar. And there you need to meet with your God afresh. Maybe I'm speaking to some backslider in the meeting tonight. And that's where you need to get to. You need to get to that place of restoration. So this altar at Bethel, not only was it an altar of peace, but it became an altar of restoration. Maybe tonight you need that restoration to the Lord. Then let us go to the third altar, and we read about that in chapter 13, verses 14 to 18. And this we're going to call the altar of peace. It says um, there in verses 11 to 18, it says then, Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. 
And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners exceedingly before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot had separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. And for, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be um, uh, numbered. Look at verse 18. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the land of Mamre, which is Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So division entered in. And you'll see that there's a difference now between Abram and Lot. Lot, Abram now has got back to the Lord. Abram has been at the altar of restoration, and he's walking with God. But Lot, on the other hand, he's a, he's a man of God because the Bible speaks of him as just Lot. But nevertheless, he is something of a carnal Christian. And you'll notice that he lifts up his eyes. Uh, he's, if you look at verses 8 and 9, Abram said unto him, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. There had been strife over the place of their cattle, where was Lot had dwelt with God, so God had blessed him. And both Abram and Lot had great uh, multitudes of cattle, and the pasture land became scarce. And so there was strife amongst the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of uh, Abram. And Abram makes this proposition. He says to uh, Lot, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then to the left. And then it says in verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered. Abram now was walking by faith again. Lot was walking by sight. And he did the same thing as Abram had, did, uh, had done. He went down into the plain there where the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were. He went down into the world because he thought he would have prosperity in the world. And we find that as Abram is upon the uh, escarpment looking out, as Lot has departed now, the Lord draws near to him and says, Abram, Lot has gone down there. He's looking for the prosperity of the world. But he says, I want you to lift up your eyes. Look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. He says, I will give you all of this. It's a wonderful illustration of the New Testament truth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And we find that God blesses Abram as he is faithful to him. And then we read that Abram raises this altar, this place that marks the fact of peace. Now he has got rid of the strife that has taken place, and now he dwells in peace with God. And as the separation has taken place, now there is that sense of peace in his heart and he dwells with God and he walks with God and he knows the peace of God day by day. And my, here is the altar of peace. And as we walk with God and as we're faithful to God, 
Then God blesses us as he blessed Abram. He not blesses in the same way as he blessed Abram. But nevertheless, God blesses those that are faithful to him. And dear friend, if you're not in Christ tonight, you can't have any blessing. Lot there was a child of God. And he went down into the sins, place of sin. And he ended up with nothing. He thought he would have everything. But he lost most of his family, he lost his home, he lost his goods, he lost his possession, and everything that he thought that he would gain down in the plain there, down in the valley, he lost it all. But Abram had everything because he walked with God. And I say to you, I'm giving you this advice again. Obey God. If you want blessing in your life, if you want to be well with you, then walk with God. But one more thing that I want you to see, and that is the altar of provision. Turn with me over to chapter 22 and look at verses 9 to 14. We'll not read the uh, verses for the sake of time. Maybe just verse 9. We read that God tells Abram here to take Isaac, his son, the son of promise, the son that God had promised him in the covenant, and he says, take him and bring wood for the altar. An altar, an offering upon the altar there in the place that I will show you. And then look at verse 9. It says, And they came to the place where God had told them off. And Abram built an altar there and laid the wood on order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on the, upon the wood. And there is an interesting progression of thought here. As the four altars are erected, we think of the place of praise, and then there is the place of prayer, then there is the place of provision. God provides himself a lamb. You remember how that when Isaac was placed upon the altar, and you can think of Abram, and you can just imagine what was going through his mind and his heart as he took that son the son that he had longed for, the son that he had prayed for, the son that he had waited so long for, and he thought was never going to come. And he was a hundred years of age before Isaac was born. And now God says, take that son and put him upon the altar and plunge the knife into him. And then not only do that, but take the body and burn it to ashes. But Abram is obedient. He takes the knife and he is about to plunge it into the breast of Isaac. And God says, no, there's a ram caught in the thicket, the substitute. And we think of the only son who is taken. And of course, it's a great picture of the gospel. The only son who is taken and is put upon the altar. And the one who is the substitute, the one who is going to die in the room and stead of men, and all of those elements there are in the story. Because there is one great substitute. And that is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he spared not his own son. But he delivered him up for us all. That through him he might freely give us all things. And all things are yours in Christ. All things are yours at the cross. All things are yours at Calvary if you will just come the way that Abram came by faith 
in the blessed Lamb of God. Will you come to him tonight? Oh, thank God for the altar, that great altar there at Calvary's cross. Oh, dear friend, come to that place. Bow the knee tonight and take the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. And if God has been speaking to you, then will you trust the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you call upon him for mercy and salvation tonight? Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word afresh. No God, we pray that thou wouldst continue to bless thy word and speak on. Draw men and women to the cross. Bring them to the altar uh, that is uh, representative of Calvary. No God, that they might by faith trust thee whom to know is life eternal. Bless us now for Jesus' sake. Amen. Can we sing a verse or two of the hymn 343? Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Uh, we'll sing the first and the last verses of the hymn, and we'll stand to sing. 343, three, verses 1 and 3. Father, we pray that thou wouldst bless thy word to our hearts, part us in thy fear, and with thy blessing now take us to our homes in safety, and be with us throughout the incoming days, and might we have that blessing that makes rich, and addeth no sorrow with it, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.